Welcome to America's podcast. <laughs> I've been waiting to say that. Even though I just spilled coffee all over me. You gotta roll with it. We're gonna welcome in one of America's catchers. Luke Maley. How you doing? Doing well, Jim. Sorry about that <laughs> coffee spill to start off the day. We're just you know what? This is such a raw podcast, we're just gonna leave it. We're just going to roll right on through this. So I, I might, when you're talking, I might get up and uh, cut this off somehow, but we'll make it work, man. <laughs> this is the story of my life right there. Uh, it is America's podcast. We've now changed the name from the Jim Day podcast to America's podcast, which, you know what, this America's team thing is fun. And it's, uh, I hope people don't take it the wrong way because you're thinking, oh, we're. We're the best team in America, and all of America loves you. There's much more behind that, right? There's like a a meaning that means everything in the world to you guys, correct? And you've been a big part of spreading this throughout the clubhouse. That's entirely correct. <laughs> I'm sure that um, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, it's going to probably catch on a little bit with people that aren't in our clubhouse. And great, I'm glad it does. Like, you know, have fun in this game and. All that stuff is great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we kind of started saying it a while back just because of, you know, some of the styles of baseball we were playing. They lo- they were really, really fun to be a part of. Yeah. And it's like the brand that we were playing, it's not that we were winning every single game, and it definitely doesn't mean that you're going to – it doesn't guarantee anything. But what it does guarantee is when you do little things over and over again and you play this game the right way – which is something that we've talked about the whole year. Um, good things start happening. And, you know, I, I think just the way it's shaken out the last couple of weeks is evidence of that. Yeah. And uh, it's a, uh, I, I heard it percolating, you know, around the clubhouse. But it was one of the, you know, and normally I would jump on something like that and I would ask a player about it. But I waited and I waited and I waited for it to come out naturally, organically. So, we are, full disclosure, we're recording this on the off day in Houston. I have no idea what's going to happen against the Astros this weekend uh, by the time this drops. So, But I heard it percolating, and I wanted it to come out organically, but I guess it got to the head, It got to the point where, like, right, whoever's going to do the interview tonight has to drop it. Yeah, and Indy really took that to heart. He said it about 11 times. <laughs> it was great. I didn't have that in mind, but... <laughs> You know, it, it's fine. I mean, were you the one that came up with, this? or was it uh, a group thing of? Oh, the slogan, America's team. Well, or no, the, no, no. Who? Someone's got it. Whoever does the. I don't know. I don't even remember how that started. <laughs> but uh, all I know is this: you're right. Like, it doesn't guarantee anything. Like, this is not <clears throat> the reason that it's worked out so great is because it's a process. Yeah. It's not. It's not something that, you know. Like it's more of a humble thing than it is like a bragging thing. It's a reminder to play yeah. the game hard, and and that's what's so cool about it is that like who doesn't want to root for that? Like who doesn't want to root for a guy that wants to run out every single ground ball like it's the last one he ever has, um, you know, and so on and so forth. There's countless examples of that, and I think like when you're around people that, like yeah, we're kind of laughing about it, and yeah, we're kind of, you know, having fun with it, but it's also a really subtle reminder, and I think it's I think it's served us well. Yeah. I- 
No question. That's where I was exactly going with it, that people might get the wrong idea. Hey, this is going to backfire against you guys. Uh, people think you're bragging because you're playing well. No, it's not that. It's 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 totally different in that you play the game the right way, well, you throw to the right bases, and you even said, hey, if you show up for the anthem on time, right? I yeah. mean, little things like that, if you continually do those over and over it's gonna. It doesn't guarantee you're gonna win, but man, you're gonna play the 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 game the right way, and you're setting the basis for success. Yeah, and that anthem thing is like it sounds funny. Like when I said it, I knew that everybody was gonna chuckle. But like you know, we we basically had one rule on our team. I mean, David Bell, if you can't play for him, you're really not gonna be able to play for anybody. And his only rule was, you know, I'd really appreciate if you guys would show up for the anthem every day. And if you can't do that, then I don't really know what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Like, if that's the one rule that your manager asks you to do. And so I was kind of thinking about, like, as we started saying America's team over and over again, and that was, like, the first thing that came to mind. It's like, well, yeah, like, that's how your day starts. You're there on time, like your skipper told you to be. Yeah. And we're going to start the day the right way and see what happens from there. And I just think it's, it's like a habit. It's like, you know, we're all creatures of habit, and the more good habits we have, um, it has a chance of snowballing in the right direction. But I've felt, listen, I've been around for some lean years, and uh, I've seen it played not that way. So I feel the fans gravitating towards the team, and it's not necessarily because you guys are, at the current moment, having much better success, obviously compared to last year. But it's the way you play the game, the style of game you play. There's been several years where the Reds team would sit back and wait for the three-run home run, and it didn't come. And when it didn't, it was just a bunch of strikeouts and guys jogging down to first base. It was not so fun to watch. Even if you're losing games, this brand of baseball, taking the extra base, hustling, throwing to the right base, uh, playing hard, being gritty. We've used that word gritty. That is contagious, one, and two, it's, fans are drawn to it. Do you feel it? No question. And being from the area, it's kind of why like it hit special for me once we started saying it a few weeks ago. Um, because I know, you know I'm, I'm from the area. Like I know what yeah. fans, especially in that area, appreciate. Because I've always appreciated it. You know, My whole family's always appreciated it. And it's, um, it's something that I think has come back in the game, actually. Like just playing the game at a, a harder level, if you will. Um, new rules, man. It's a yeah. different brand of baseball. I love it. It's awesome. Um, but it's what's great about it is it's controllable. And I, and I kind of know what you're saying about like people are going to think this or think that. It's like, well, that's first of all, it doesn't matter. But what I, what I would hope the takeaway would be, you know, if this does continue to be a thing um, outside of our clubhouse, because inside it will be, yeah. um, is, is that it's, we're basically reminding ourselves to play the game right. And it's, it's got nothing to do with beating people or scoring runs or right. anything like that. It's got everything to do with being a professional and enjoying being around your teammates and playing as hard as you can for them. Yeah. No, the conversation I had with you last night, it was like, you know, hey, does it guarantee anything? It certainly does not. But it does guarantee that we are going to rally around each other. And that's really all that matters in that, that clubhouse is what you guys think of each other. You guys are the ones playing the game. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And then it's 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 so funny, right? Because things become popular and they start to like people have fun with them when you're having success, and and that's great. But what's funny about like a slogan like this, or you know, different things that happen in clubhouses across the league, is like 
when you're losing is when they're the most important. You know, when it's not going your way yeah. is when they're the most important. Like everybody's going to have fun with it when you're winning, but actually like it's not half as important when you're winning to play the game hard and play it the right way than when it's really difficult to do it because you've been getting your butt kicked for right. a couple of days. And that's that's what's so like interesting about it is that you want it to feel great all the time, but that's not the point. The point is it's not going to feel great a yeah. lot, and these are the reminders and how we get back on track. And you have seen this work. I mean, it's working with you guys right now. It's, is it a shorter sample size? Certainly. I mean, we're still in June. There's a long way to go. But you've seen this firsthand with the Cleveland team that you were on, correct? I mean, you uh, again, that was a team that didn't hit a lot of home runs. We're talking about last year and the few years past. Didn't hit a lot of home runs, pitched their butts off. Um, but similarities, but you've seen it like you've seen this work. Yeah, it's so similar. It really is. It's, In what ways? What Speed. I yeah. would say speed and playing for each other. I would say like when we hit, I can't remember where it was, but someone, we were down a bunch of runs and someone hit a fly ball to center field that was pretty routine and was rounding second base when the guy caught it in, like, the eighth inning. Yeah. And I remember seeing that, like, so many times last year. Um, with Cleveland. With Cleveland. Yeah. And what was funny about that is that Jose Ramirez, um, obviously a great player, I, I remember in spring training, the very first ball that we hit, we had, like, the we had the lockout. We didn't play a game until probably mid-March. It was kind of a, a rapid-fire spring training, yeah. right? And the yeah. first ball he hit... I'll never forget it. It was a routine ground ball to third, and this guy's helmet flew off as he was out by like a half a step down the line. And I remember turning to one of the coaches. I was like, well, I guess we're going to all run hard this year, huh? Because if that guy's running hard, it's going to be really tough for some of these young guys not to. And Absolutely. it was just electric. I mean, it caught on so quickly. And it's so simple. Um, but I think that's what makes it great. And Anyway, to get back to the red stuff, it's there's so many parallels with it in that respect. I, I think you know you're never going to have the same team dynamic year in and yeah. year out, but when you have young teams, typically the common denominator is speed and playing the game really hard, and yeah. that's what we got. I got to tell you, I was full disclosure. I was worried about these young players coming up, and over the past several years it hasn't been that way now i'm not saying they didn't play the game hard but the team didn't play the game this hard they didn't play the game together base running was not a priority on this team in years past so i was worried about the young players coming up and coming into a culture that didn't breed team success and I'm so happy to see this. I don't care what you guys call yourselves. I don't care if you're America's team. I don't care if you're Covington Catholic's team. I don't <laughs> care if you're Vine Street's team. Whatever you want to call yourself, I don't care. If that means that you guys are playing the game the right way, particularly for this young nucleus that we hope is going to be around for years, I think it's great. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think the young guys are probably the most responsible for it. Because there's so many of them, yeah. you know, and those yeah. guys have known each other for so long. So there, it, it only takes kind of one chink in the armor to mess the whole thing up, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. I mean, I've seen it a lot. Um, and it's really unfortunate that it's like this. But like when there's one guy that doesn't want to buy into something like this, yeah. it doesn't 
mean that your season's over. You can still right. have a great year, um, but you're probably not going to have that energy that you're speaking toward right now. In fact, I guarantee you, you won't. Yeah. Because it takes everybody. You can't have one that's not on board. And so with the amount of guys that have known each other and grown up playing or come up playing together in the minor league system, for them to all get here and at different times and have different levels of success and yeah. you know popularity and all that outside noise that can be a distraction, for them to just kind of buy into that is pretty impressive. Yeah. I think it was uh, it was meant to be the, again, we're, I'm recording this on Thursday, last night the Reds swept Kansas City, and the post-game interview was with, we're just going to do McLean. And I'm like, I got to do John too. Once they went, they went back to back home runs, but I got to do John too, because if this comes out, it probably needs to come from someone like him. Um, so I was so glad in that regard. And a lot of people have pointed to, to Jonathan about just leading by example. I mean, several of you guys, you, the Casale's a, a good uh, barometer as far as being a pro. Um, so you're, you're right, man. It's the young guys have gravitated towards it. And it, it's, I mean, John's still young. So it's, it's hard. He's like a veteran of the team, but he's still, he's still yeah. a young guy. But I'll, I'll jump in and say, I mean, it's, he's, he's very responsible for, for leading. I mean, yeah. when you play every single day, oh, he's Captain America. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a nice no, ring to it. Actually, he did, he, he shot that down. He's like, <laughs> no, nah, I don't want to take it that far. I don't know. It's not about me, it's about the team. I'm, I'm captain of America's team, perhaps, maybe. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> but what I was going to say is, like, it, it's really, um, it's hard to point your or put your finger on, like, just the power of playing every day yeah. and posting every day. And, you know, guys like me, I don't have a chance to do that. So I can say whatever the hell I want to say. <laughs> but when you're yeah. playing one out of three, one out of four, it's not going to mean as much. Yeah. When you have a guy that's producing in the middle or the early part of your lineup every day, plays through injuries, and you have a chance to see that and how he responds to adversity you know, virtually every single day, that's when it really hits home. So he absolutely is the cornerstone of, of kind of leading that charge. Yeah. And he should be proud of that 100%. Oh. And again, it's, it's not the type of thing that you just guarantee success or you just lean on that. It's, it's nothing like that. But you know, if that guy's bought, it's kind of like the Jose Ramirez example I gave. If yeah. that guy's bought in and he's running hard every day, it's yeah. going to be really hard for someone on that team to not run hard every day based on what he's gone through. Especially when he runs hard and let, let's say he runs hard and he gets thrown out or whatever. And he's, he's half limping off the field. I mean, he's got this and that injury and, and he's just, he's always playing through it. He's always got something that's banged up it, just for players to see that. And there, you know, you've been around players, I'm sure that have, uh, you know, they got a little nick. I can't go today. Uh, you know, um, just playing through that just has to be. Le it's leading by example. He also he's not a rah rah guy, but he's a he's a guy that will help anyone, everyone, and anyone. Yeah, that last part's why I love him so much because he's not a rah rah guy. Yeah, I mean he's in the center of a lot of our stuff. Right, and you know behind closed doors he can have some fun, and that's great. But when he's out in the field, he's got the same face all the time, and that personally for me fires me up. I love that about him. I love it, too. We're going to talk to Luke about many things, including growing up in the area, growing up a Reds fan, and wearing that uniform. We'll do it after this. All right, the pride of Cove Calf. I found it 
And I didn't know this before you you came over to the Reds that you had ne- you had played in every stadium except except Great American Ballpark. Now, growing up just across the river as a Reds fan, your your entire family still or most of your family still in the area. That's crazy. Did you find that like wow, this is I have not played a single game there in my home ballpark. Oh, believe me, I thought about it a lot. <laughs> it, I actually have one more to still to check off, and that's Chase Field in Arizona. But um, it was okay. So it must have been in 2022, and I signed with Cleveland. And I, I said this earlier, but we had that weird start to the season. So as a result, they rotated the schedules around. So I'm with the Guardians, and I look at our our new schedule. And I see that we're going to play the Reds like a week into the season on their opening day. Right. Which was unusual because. Very open. Yeah. Very unusual. Yeah, because obviously the Reds have the parade and they open every yeah. opening day It was the Reds' home. home opener, but they'd already Correct. played on the road. So I'm thinking, man, that is pretty cool. Like, I'm going to get a chance to my first time ever playing in Great American Ballpark is going to be a Reds' home opener. Opening day, basically. And then I got hurt. And I missed it. So I was kind of like, man, I, I just, I can't believe I blew it. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to probably get so lucky to ever have a chance to play on Reds opening day ever again. And, I, I mean, for all I know, I might not have a chance to play there at all. And then I signed with the Reds the next year, and the following opening day I was there, and I was wearing the Reds uniform. So it, it worked out. It worked out pretty great. What? I mean, you know what opening day means to – Red's country. What was it like having that uniform on? All the pageantry of opening day, standing on that, speaking of the anthem, standing on that line, opening day anthem is always different. It's always special. What was it like? Oh, it was surreal. I was standing right next to Joey as well. Really? Otto was right next to me on the line. So, you know. That's fitting, actually. It was really cool. I mean, it was definitely, I've said this a couple of times. It's like 95% of the time this season it it feels like another season to me but there's like one thing a week or one or two things a week where I do have to take a step back and it is just absolutely crazy that I'm wearing this uniform you know because I just think back of that's all I've ever wanted to do so standing on the line with Joey on opening day at Great American Ballpark was definitely right at the top that is so fitting that it is him that has been the red for so long, um, when you think of the Reds in the last decade or so, you think of Votto. Uh, he's one of the first thoughts. So that's uh, wow. That's it's, it's almost like the baseball gods were looking down. On it, it's it's funny, man. It has a way. This game is really strange, like that. <laughs> yeah. How about the? What's been the family's reaction? Uh, first of all, take us back to when you signed. What, what was the? Did you? Did they know it was coming? Did you keep it a secret? And then, because you know, you never know if it's going to work out until you sign on that dotted line. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting one. So I got, uh, I got non-tendered by Cleveland like right at the last minute of the deadline, which has kind of become an annual tradition for me and my family at our house. Sometime in November, we just get fired and then we try and find a new job. <laughs> That is terrible. I mean, that's the harsh <laughs> that's reality. The, that's the reality. Yeah. Every uh, right before Thanksgiving every year, we say maybe this year. Maybe nope, not this year. Got to find somebody else. So we had just gotten fired, and we're standing there. <laughs> and he says it with a smile. We actually had a bunch of work being done on our house, so we're in an Airbnb, and um, 
literally like an hour after the, the deadline, I got a call from my agent and he goes, he's like, well, he's like, you're, you're still popular. That's the good news. He's like, I'll give you a call tomorrow. And I said, Hey, you know what, who are we dealing with? Like, we actually like have offers. He's like, no, 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 not offers. He's like, but there's been four teams that have contacted us and blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, who are they? And among them was the Reds. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, I haven't heard from the Reds since I was a kid. Like, yeah. even when I was growing up in the area, I don't even yeah. remember seeing a lot of scouts. Like, I just had never talked to the Reds before. So I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. But I didn't want to get my hopes up. But it was so weird, man. It was right before Thanksgiving. And we got a deal done, like, in two days. And, like, just like that. Like, it happened so quick. I was, I was going to play for Cincinnati. So... I didn't know what to do. It was going into Thanksgiving kind of break for everybody, and it wasn't going to be announced until much later than that. Yeah. And so I didn't know what to tell anybody. So all I said, I said to my mom, um, I was like, well, I, I got some good news. Like, I got a team. And she's like, who is that? I was like, I can't tell you yet until we announce it and all that. And once it, once it was more appropriate to tell her, I, and, and I let them know, it was... It was pretty special for them, and it spread quickly. I had oh, I quite a few text messages on my phone as soon as it started to travel. That is awesome. I mean, wow. And I'm sure they made it to games. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things, too. They got to look at the uh, the lineup. Or do you tell them, hey, listen, I think I'm playing on such and such a day? Because you got the three-catcher mix, which is another dynamic I would love to talk about. But. Uh, you never really know when you're playing, maybe a day or two before. Yeah, sometimes you know, and sometimes you just feel it or whatever, but they, yeah. they, don't, they don't need an excuse to come down and <laughs> to, great. to a great American. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they will literally, I mean, they've told me this, they, they get done with work or whatever they're doing that day, and they will have no you know, plan on going to the game, and they'll just pop down. I mean, it's seven minutes away. Yeah. They'll just pop down and go to the game last minute, like yeah. all the time, so... You lived seven minutes away from it's, the park? Yeah, I mean, depending on traffic, yeah. it's, it's not any more than 10. That's just a, that's a storybook. I mean, he's less than 10 minutes away from the stadium. The team you, he you just got to get through the cut in the hill. That's that's the only problem. <laughs> yes. that is, Everyone in Cincinnati, or northern Kentucky in particular, knows that for sure. That actually deterred me. I used to live across the river, and it deterred me back across to the Ohio side because that bridge, man, and then they started working on it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm oh, yeah. Well, that, that bridge, I, <laughs> I hear, has been going swimmingly over there. Yeah. Because I haven't been in town for a few years, and then I kept hearing about the bridge, the bridge, the bridge, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's a it's a little more congested than I remember in, like, the late 90s. <laughs> yeah. Way more congested, and they got to fix it. Uh, or we're going to have a problem, uh, uh, major, major problem. What was uh, Covington Catholic like? Oh, it was great. Great four years. Um, played three sports there. Um, baseball, obviously, basketball and golf. Um, I have countless buddies from there, most of which I stay in touch with, some of which I'm still really close with. Um, in fact, I mean... Part of kind of the cool thing about signing here is most of the guys that I went to high school with are, you know, still in the area. They have jobs in the area. And so I've been able to, like, just grab lunch with them, you know, kind of reconnect because we always yeah. have stayed in touch. But, right. I'm, you know, as a baseball player, our schedule doesn't allow us to 
keep many of those relationships too often. Yeah. So this year's been cool in that respect, but um, I graduated in 09 and you know, I had a chance to get drafted. I had a chance to go into professional baseball right away. And I think I made the right choice. I went to Kentucky. So I've, I stayed relatively local pretty much my whole life and right. then, and then started the pro ball journey. And that journey, uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's a tough life being a, a catcher when I guess you're not a so-called frontline catcher. Um, but there's been many stops along the way. As it, and you mentioned it's an annual tradition of getting fired, which is like <laughs> your words, not mine. Um, man, that how was it tough to handle early on? And I mean, you you smile when you say it now, but when it, I mean, that's it, a tough life to live. Even though you're, it's Major League Baseball, you know, it's it's professional baseball. It is a good life, but there's the human side of it. How tough was that? Where well, is it? It's definitely gotten easier, but I don't think it has anything to do with like, you know, me being hardened or anything like that. I, th I think it's gotten easier because I've been playing better, Yeah. to be completely honest with you. Because, I, I mean, when you get thrown into free agency and you've got no numbers to back it up, that's a, that yeah, like that's not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a pretty good chance you're not going to have a job. Right. But, you know, I've, I've played on some winners the last couple of years, um, winning teams, I mean. And had a little bit more success at the plate. Yeah. So I'm comfortable in my own skin, I guess. And I, I probably for good reason compared to where I used to be. And um, so with that, it's like I, I'm way more in on the process of everything than I am the result. And I kind of just take one pitch at a time and made it my whole life. You know what I mean? Like everything yeah. I do in life, it's just going to be one pitch at a time. And so that's kind of where I am with everything. Well, you certainly are known for your arm. You got tremendous arm behind the plate, known for your game calling. Pitchers like to throw to you. And you've mentioned more success at the plate. And it's been this season as well. You have uh, you don't have as many at-bats as other guys, but you've put up some numbers, uh, particularly some I don't know how many doubles you have right now, but it seems like a lot. And when you hit the ball out of the ballpark, there's no, they're not cheapies. <laughs> I mean, you crush the ball. So how are you feeling at the plate? Pretty good. Again, I've, I've narrowed and boiled it down to it's, I'm not chasing hits anymore. I'm not yeah. chasing batting average. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare myself to anybody else. What I'm trying to do is see the ball as good as I can every single time because that's a controllable and that's something that makes sense to me and it started making sense the last few years and I was fortunate to run into some coaches that helped me kind of with this process but as it started to make more and more sense it's like if you can see it and you can swing at strikes and attack it and approach the ball the correct way over and over and over again you know basically it's like I've never seen someone line out 600 times you know what I mean like yeah. you're going to have some sort of result in there right. and that's that's where I'm at with it where is this three catcher mix? Because it's uh, it's usually two catchers. I mean, if you're carrying three catchers, it's usually for a shorter period of time on a major league team. But the Reds went into the year saying, "Yeah, we're going to be three catcher mix." How has that been? Because obviously the playing time is divided up by three and not two. It's fine with me. I mean, it's it's a team first atmosphere always. Obviously, you know, and and I know people just say that a lot, and it's kind of a throwaway, but it really is like. And as a catcher, it's even easier because you're involved on both sides of the ball so much. So 
you're constantly having that reminder to be selfless. And I think it's made it easier, you know, having less playing time than normal. But it's it, the only time that I've used three catchers has been in the postseason. Yeah. And one thing that struck me about it the first couple times it happened was the amount of great matchups and great base running matchups you could get late in games by having three catchers. There's just there's one more move you can make maybe one inning earlier as a manager when you have that third option. It's happened a couple of times this year where we've gone all three of us and one I think a few of them at least one Steve-O was starting as a DH. But the matchup was so good that it made sense to quote kill the DH and have the pitcher bat be, and have Steve-O come into the game to get Kurt or I out because of a, a running matchup or they were bringing a right-hander in and we had a lefty hitter on the bench, etc. So I think it's exciting because it feels like a postseason game. It yeah. feels like you're really matching up each and every, you know, hitter, basically, right. the final innings of a close game, and, and that has sort of a postseason vibe to it. And I swear it's translated. You know, because if you're just a position player who doesn't think about all this junk that I'm talking yeah. about right now, you know, matchups and double switches well, and all catchers, that. catchers, that's what you guys do, man. We, we think about it a lot. But yeah. if, you're, if you're just a left fielder who's never thought about it in your life, and all of a sudden you see that the DH is entering the ball game, you know, as the catcher, the pitcher's now hitting in the three-hole because the catcher was in the four-hole. Right. And they're out there thinking, man, this is kind of tight. You know, I, I guarantee they can feel that. And I think if you multiply that over and over again, um, there's an energy to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you you guys are terrific examples. You and Gasali particularly uh, have been around the block a few times. And, and you, you know, you have a terrific feel for the game, especially you make some really good mound visits when – they're necessary or they're needed. And it seems like every time you go out there, you will settle the pitcher down. So I, I know you are a thinking man's catcher. There's no doubt about that. It's fun to watch. Well, thanks. I'll definitely take the compliment, but we get a lot of credit for those mound visits and I don't know if they're necessarily warranted, you know, cause sometimes I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my next question. What do you say when you go out there? Let's say that a guy is, uh, Let's say it's mid mid at bat, which are even rare. But you know he's he's maybe walked a, a guy or, or two, and then it's it's two zero count. You're like, all right, timeout. I'm going out there. What are you saying? It, it varies. I, I mean, it's the easy answer is that you're trying to you know calm him down, reassure him about what he's doing, blah blah blah, all that stuff. What I think it boils down to, and as I've talked to some pitchers that I've been close with for a long time. And as they've gotten older, I think that they're, I've listened to their opinions more and more yeah. because I think that they have kind of organized their thoughts and, and made it as simple as possible. And, and I really believe this one, one guy told me, he's like, we don't need the right thing to be said. We just need something to be said. And that something is important because it's, it has to be specific. You know, and it, it does, to his point, it doesn't have to be right. You know, let's say the guy's flying open and he's missing arm side. I may not know what his cue is. You know, for me, I might say, well, I need you to stay in line with your body. Throw it right toward me, you know, keep your hip closed, whatever. For him, it might be a hand thing. And what I'm going to tell him with stay in line might not resonate at all 
with him and his game. Right. But in that moment, if I tell him, hey, your hip's flying open, I need you to stay in line and stay closed and throw it right to me. He's moving so quickly and he's so sped up because he can't find the plate or you know give it gave up a hit or whatever it is that that might actually work, even though that's not something that he yeah. works on or thinks about. So again, I think when you go out there, it's always going to vary, but I just try and make sure that I have some specific thing to tell the guy. Do you ever go out there and just try to get a laugh, just have him forget about the moment? I know Derek Johnson does that a lot. Uh, when he'll come out there, he'll he'll say something goofy because I see you guys laughing out there. Are you uh, half comedian sometimes? I, I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> I, I feel like that's romanticized a little bit because it's it's a dangerous Romanticized game. by what? Like people like it, me? Okay. Uh, I, I've gotten the mound visit, like, do you tell them joke question a lot. And yeah. I've been trying to think of a time that I have. And I just, I can't remember in a million years thinking that that was a good idea. <laughs> Because you never know where the guy's at. Yeah, I mean, he, you might ruin it. You might completely ruin a relationship with somebody, especially <laughs> if it doesn't land as funny. So I like to keep it a little bit more yeah. even keel. I, I, if I knew a guy really well or I was buddies with him, I might. There might be an opportunity to do it, but I haven't had it happen yet. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're going to. Uh, Talk about, well, he grew up a Reds fan, so who did he idolize growing up? Talk about some of the great players that he's played with. And, oh, by the way, there's this kid named Ellie De La Cruz. We'll touch on that as well after this. All right, growing up a Reds fan, who were your guys? Who'd you love as a kid? Larkin was first um, because he was there since, I mean, before I was born. So he was always like, he was the captain, right? Yeah. If you were a Reds fan, Barry his, Larkin was his team, his town at the time. No question, no question. Um, so I started catching a little bit as a kid. I was playing a lot of short, which is where Larkin kind of came from and stayed. But as I started catching more and more, like Benito had a year there. Benito Santiago. Yeah, yeah. and. I mean, he's throwing from his knees, picking guys off. Crazy, and, yeah. Yeah, like it's hard for me not to. Freak of nature. Exactly. Man. So as a kid, I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, every time I catch, I'm going to be Benito. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, then we signed, we, so we signed Junior, yeah. um, which was like, I'll never forget that day as long yeah. as I live, because Griffey was just larger than life. I mean, I know that. Yeah, that was so big in the town. I mean, that was. If you guys are listening now and. You don't quite remember when Junior came to town. Um, like, do it. Do a YouTube search or something because, like, when in the '90s, Ken Griffey Junior was the absolute man in yeah. the game. Like in the mid to late '90s, he was the man. Well, sports, not just baseball. Yeah, sports. I mean, he was absolutely. And it was right after McGuire and Sosa had that big home run chase in 98. And yeah. now it's like, oh, and we're going to have Griffey in the division too. Yeah. And so it was like, all right, finally, like we got, we got a guy that can like yeah. go up against. It was a huge deal. Um, so when he came over, I was fired up. Um, Dimitri Young got like. Meat. He got probably. Meat. Seven big hits. One month that I remember being a kid. He could flat out rake. Yeah, and he just kept on coming up to the plate with the game on the line, and I, as a kid, I was just like, this guy's going to do it again, and he did it, so like, I fell in love with him. You yeah. know, I, I don't I don't remember exactly when it was, but I was just yeah. like, man, this guy's just killing people right now. Yeah. Um, 
too many to name. Jason LaRue. Jason LaRue was like the everyday guy when I was starting to catch like a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I watched him catch a lot. And that, this is like when I was a little older and it was a little bit more refined way of watching Reds baseball instead of just being a yeah. kid and being a fan. Right. So he comes to mind. Uh, Sean Casey was sweet, man. Just hitting base hits to the left side like it was his job. That was yeah. fun to watch. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's wow. more. There's more for sure, but I, I those guys it. come to mind. I love it, and he says it with a smile on his face. Now, you've uh, you've been around the league, so you, you've played with some great players. Who have been your influences, uh, You know, whether it be minor leagues coming up or once you got to the bigs? Who, who are guys that you really learned from or gravitated towards or just idolized, any of those guys? Yeah, it's kind of tough to – idolize them once you're playing with them you have yeah, to kind maybe of squash that's the that but, uh, but no no no. i know what you mean yeah. i mean they're like there's a lot of guys i've played with that have had that wow factor in terms mm-hmm. of just being famous and yeah you know all the big things they've done in our game but i'll just start with when i came up with tampa evan longoria um you know was was kind of i mean he he was the guy in tampa and he took great care of me showed me how to do everything the right way held me accountable which was important it's kind of easy if you're a great player, you don't want to like scare a young player sometimes, and so yeah. you won't say stuff. And and he didn't do that to me. He he was he let me know, you know, appropriately. Like, hey, this has to get better. Like yeah. that can't happen here. Right. You know, whether, whether it was base running or making a throw around the infield or something like that. So he held me accountable and got me better. And was a great teammate. Logan Forsythe was there. Same thing. Just played the game the right way. Like you talk about America's team, like those are two pretty good examples, by the way. The way Absolutely. those guys the way those guys play. Yeah. Um then I went to Toronto and it was just it was much more showy in a great way. And that had an impact on me because there was just this tenacity about them. And um I think I probably needed it. You know, as a young player playing with the Batistas and the Donaldsons, Tulowitzki, Russell Martin. Um I mean, those guys had an edge about them. Oh yeah. And as a young player like me, it was it was kind of like like, hey man, like we know you're the backup and you're just a kid, but like you're with us now, so it's time to take your game to the next level type thing. And nice. I did that sometimes, and other times I didn't, and I had to learn from that. So uh, the reason I bring that up is like when you talk about influences, it's like it's it's hard not to name them all because everybody's gonna have right. an impact on you in some capacity, but the way it's all kind of organized and gotten me to now, um, you know, I'd like to think I, I processed it okay. And I had a lot of people that helped me. That's for sure. Yeah. Now you had mentioned Jose Ramirez before. I marvel watching him. There are some guys that you just go out of your way to like watch how they carry themselves and particularly at the plate. He's got some mannerisms to him. He's got this strut that I, I, I love his strut, man, when he gets in this strut mode. But what a great player. What was it like playing with Jose? Well, he was probably the best player I have ever played with. Um, for a moment there, and he, he got kind of like banged up. He took like a, a hit by pitch, and it kind of affected the way he was swinging the bat. Not to the point where he didn't produce, but... Yeah. Until that had happened, he had a run where he was the best player in the game yeah, by far. And it wasn't short either. I mean, it was more than a month long yeah. where it was like we got the best player on our team. Yeah. So being around that 
and just the way he did it, like I talked about it earlier, like just having the same face all the time. Yeah. He, he's got the same face all the time, and it is just an awesome face to have on all the time. I mean, he's just, he looks <laughs> I like I love he's, watching him. I don't right? know why I'm drawn to watching him. Uh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he's ready to absolutely wreck you. Yeah. And he is. And then if you get him out, there's a pretty good chance his body language ain't going to change at all. And right. I just, I really appreciated that about him because it just had that, uh, like people talk about just like that competitive, you know, instinct and, yeah. and the, like the Mamba mentality. And so he's got it. And yeah. that, that was fun to be around. Wow. Yeah. I love watching him, man. So much so. When he's not beating up the Reds, by the way. <laughs> Although Diaz had a major league arrival moment last year. I don't know if, if you were up with the Indians at that point, but uh, it was like a bases loaded situation and he struck him out. And it was one that I, Ramirez even fell to the ground. It was one of those sliders oh, yeah. that just corkscrewed him into the ground. And that was really the one of the arrival moments for, for Diaz. So this staff... Um, who is fun? I mean, I'm sure they're all fun to catch, but is there a guy that's like, wow, this guy's got enormous stuff? Well, there's quite a few of them. I mean, Lodolo is currently hurt, but, I mean, he you talk about screwing people into the ground with a, with a curveball. Yeah. That, that, has, that has opened my eyes. I don't think I've seen someone consistently able to throw a breaking ball you know, to the opposite handed hitter and, and hit them in the leg or in the knee and have them take a full swing on it as often as this guy. Right. I don't know what that says, but it says something, you know yeah. what I mean? So like seeing that in action, watching a ball literally hit the hitter as they take a full swing, that's special. Greeny is obviously electric. Ashcraft, obviously electric. I know he's been battling some stuff, but He's got a cutter that um, is so unpredictable with how it's going to move. And it's when like he, catching that thing. Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> Greeny is is fun to catch because it's straight. Yeah, you know. But Ash is a guy you have to be really, really locked in on because he it might go the other way too. He doesn't yeah. know, and, and neither do you. Right. Yeah. There's some pitches pitchers that you know cutter does this, cutter does that. The hitter doesn't even, I mean, it has to be an uncomfortable bat. I mean, you face oh, yeah. guys with mean cutters like that. It has to, is it, an, it has to be uncomfortable for it's, them. It is. It's even more uncomfortable when there's a chance that they're going to make the ball go the other way, though. Yeah. You know, like if, if you have a cutter, I think that Mariano Rivera might be the only exception to this rule where if, if the ball's only going away from you as a right handed hitter, there's, a decent chance that you can square one of them up because you're going to kind of be leaning out over. But if the guy has a chance of running one and making it go the other way and you're going to take a, a check swing or a full swing that's going to hit you in the ribs at 99 miles an hour, it is much more difficult to square up that cutter when he throws it, when yeah. it's moving away from you. So he definitely has the ability to do that. It's kind of like Corbin Burns in that respect. Like we faced him a couple of weeks ago and I caught him a couple of times in Milwaukee and, you know, the cutter is always nasty, but what makes it even crazier is he also might make it dance right into you. And yeah. when, when that's working and he's locating that, that's miserable. All right, Alexis Diaz, he's got this delivery that it's like all arms and legs, and it's then all of a sudden this ball's coming out of it, and then it's this elite slider. What makes that slider so effective? 
Well, number one, he throws from kind of like a lower arm angle in general. So when he throws his fastball, even when it's 94, let's say, which isn't, you know, crazy, crazy fast, it, it's playing up. Like guys are really having a hard time actually getting on top of it because he's kind of almost like sh- um, shot putting it to, to guys. Yeah. And then you throw the slider off of that when they're trying to cheat to that heater and it's going to make it that much more difficult just without the slider being good. You know, yeah. just the absence of a fastball is going right. to be good. And then on top of all that, he's got this slider that he can throw with pretty good command. He can throw it for a strike or he can make you chase it. He can throw it outside the zone. So all of that in a, you know, kind of in a nutshell, when you have all of that and you put all that together, that's, yeah, that's what you're looking for in the ninth inning. Yeah. Nasty stuff. Love it. Uh, there's this kid named Ellie De La Cruz that uh, people have marveled at. And who knows? You know, he's had his ups and downs already. We're very, obviously, we're very short into his major league career. But you can see the tools. And he's had a lot of strikeouts. But just watching him run and throw the baseball and the power that he has from both sides of the plate is incredible is that we've you we're running out of adjectives but incredible amazing generational talent uh are we overhyping him or is it legit no i think it's legit i mean i have never seen anything um just move around a field quite like that yeah. i don't i don't think it's even close actually so i think that it's definitely legit and i think he's gonna have a great career and with young players, you never know what that's going to be. Yeah. But one thing that I refuse to do is put ceilings on anybody. You know, I, I just, I don't think it makes sense. I think you make it can make you look really stupid down the road if you do. So if there's one guy that I would say has a chance to be kind of a generational player, I, w- I would say it would be him. How good that's going to be, I'm not sure. But again, I just, I don't see too many guys walking around major league fields that look like that yeah and you know ellie's getting a lot of hype obviously nationally certainly in reds country but even nationally but this matt mcclain kid is it safe to say that you can just label ball player yeah that's where that's where i thought you were going with it he's a baseball player he does so many things well and we've got a lot of guys that that do that have similar types of games as that but for him to do it as consistently as he's done so far, um, that's really impressive. Even if you're just doing one part of the game that right. consistently at a high level early on in your career. The fact that he's kind of done both sides of the ball and, and then you throw in base running on top of it, you throw in timely hitting, um, being a good teammate, all that stuff, and he's done it so early. Um, yeah, that's... That's that's what a major leaguer looks like. Yeah, and you you know I saw I kept <clears throat> I was seeing it in spring training where they've been talking about building within and um and you could start to place guys you know where they are whether it be McLean out there and De La Cruz out there and Steer has been he's exceeded my expectations. I mean I've I've I'm waiting for him to be to have an off balance swing. I I I still haven't seen it yet. Um. Guys like that, and they still got guys in the pipeline. As a Reds fan, 
you're currently on the team. We hope you're on the team for years to come. But as a fan, that's exciting. Is it not this this young nucleus? Oh, you. I mean, if you're a Reds fan, you should be awfully excited. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to – I got to take the role of player and focus on the here and now, right? But, yeah. like, I, I definitely understand – you know, why there's so much excitement around the city about moving forward and all this other stuff that frankly just isn't important to me because it's, you know, one pitch at a time right now. But I get it. Like, I totally get it. You mentioned Steer. You know, he's having an unbelievable season. Yeah. And he's like the 12th thing that gets talked about. Right. And But he shows up for work every single day, and it doesn't matter to him because all he knows is he's going to absolutely hammer something yeah. the first chance he gets. And he's playing a, a position that's completely unnatural to him. He'll play wherever you want him to play. Yeah. He gets his work done. He does it quietly. Like, we, we just have so many great rookies. Yeah. Great young players, like, that the way that they've acted in a clubhouse is so like over the moon impressive yeah and the, when you see him have some, some results it just i can't be happier for him you yeah. know i can't be happier for him and those are some of the guys that i think are pretty good examples of that and i love how he gets ripped in the clubhouse steer and he just takes it he does <laughs> he he does not mind being the butt of a joke does yes he? Uh, he does not he's like if i'm uh what do you say i'm the punching bag of the team he told me <laughs> on this podcast you know I know my role. I'm the punching bag of the team, and I just take it, and it's all good. And they wouldn't do it unless they liked him. <laughs> He's right about that. Isn't he the best? <laughs> He's the best. I mean, I kept telling people, like, who's funny on the team? I'm like, Steer's pretty funny. And they're like, Steer? I'm like, it's you just have to be around him for a while. You might not get it the first time or the second time you're around him, but if you're around him consistently, you're like, all right, there's the f this funny aura about him. He's a riot. Yeah. I can't even explain it. Like yeah. he's just one of those characters. Like if you go watch like a funny movie and there's a character and like you can't like they don't have great lines. There's nothing to really repeat, but like you just laugh at him exactly. the whole time. Like yeah. that's him. That's him. Yes. And he doesn't know that he's funny sometimes. Exactly. He'll be like, Well, you guys making fun of me? I'm like, Yeah, but you just said something that's really I don't even remember what I said, but okay. Yeah. You got it. That's him. <laughs> and then you know, you look at the young pitchers that you got. I mean, it's unbelievable. I started looking at uh, possibilities of rookie of the year, and you know the kid in Arizona is killing it. But um, the guys on the list are all Reds. <laughs> Below that, I know. Yeah, it's again. You know, it, as there's kind of two sides of this question for me because on one hand, it's like it's head down, it's head yeah. down, next play, next pitch. Yeah. But it's also okay to sort of embrace it. Like you don't you don't want if you're one of these guys that's having an unbelievable rookie season or an unbelievable couple months or whatever, you still want to enjoy it. Yeah. You know? So when he like take Spencer, for example, like, you know, gets asked questions about the year he's having, it's, you know, I know what I would say and I, I know where I would want to go with that, but I also hope that he's able to take a step back and enjoy just what a fun ride he's on right now too, at the same time. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to turn you loose, but before I do that, uh, what about the future? I mean, you're one pitch at a time right now, and I'm sure you're hoping that you can log some more years here uh, at the big league level. And we would love it to be in Cincinnati. I'd be tickled to death. But uh, have you thought about beyond the playing playing days yet? I think you have to, at least a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my, my official answer to that is I've thought about it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think 
anytime in this game you you make plans, it it usually doesn't go the way that you planned it. Yeah. And in, in fact, it can kind of be a detriment if you try and do it. So I'm I'm definitely very fluid with it. I'd like to play, you know, without putting a number on it. I I want to play until the point where my body just doesn't allow me to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, that's my goal. And then after that, kind of evaluate and and just see where my family's at. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of it's going to be dictated by what my family thinks and yeah. where we are in life and all that. But I would say managing's not off the table. Um, Catchers make the best managers. It, it's it's something that I've always thought I wanted to do, and I still think I do. But it's like when you're playing, all you can think about is playing. You know, it seems so distant to think of yourself as managing a team. So it's definitely player first for now. Yeah. Well, I will also say that pitchers and catchers also make the best broadcasters. We'll just throw that out as well. <laughs> and you got the voice for it as well. And they're the most overpaid, too, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Except for those sideline guys. <laughs> underpaid, those guys. I appreciate the time, man. It, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I hope uh, it's many years to come. Well, thanks many so much, man. Come. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Fun chatting with you. Pre- appreciate you doing it on the fly. This was uh, this was set up at a late time because this America's team thing finally came out, and you have been at the forefront of spreading that throughout the clubhouse. I know that you've uh, been the guy in that regard. So Thanks so much, Jim. He is one of America's catchers. He is Luke Maley. The pride of Covington Catholic. We'll just call it the Cincinnati area zone. How about that? Sounds good to me. And you have been listening to what is now America's podcast. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time.